Hi there. So I want to talk to you about woke culture and or the cult of neo-digital radical social acceptance, which is what I had taken to calling it before I realized there was a shorter word, just called being woke. But it, it, it is a neo-digital radical social acceptance movement that we find ourselves in. That's what the woke culture is. And so we're going to break down what it is, what are the ramifications of that, what are the effects of it on the individual participants of our society, and if this is even something we want. So how did this woke culture come to be? Well, fundamentally, it started seemingly on the outskirts of society because for so long, so many populations in our society have been marginalized and mistreated and and devalued and and looked upon as almost second class citizens those those outcasts those people on the outskirts of society built up stories they built up chronicles and sagas of their misfortunes and their mistreatments and there's a sort of Resentment towards what you might call, I don't know, ordinary heteronormative society that is that bubbles up within the again, the outcasts. And primarily that would be like the LGBT community, LGBTQYZ and you know, whatever how many syllables it is now. It keeps growing. Because in, in some way everyone is marginalized. And this is why the community keeps growing. Because in some way, everyone's identity is, is insufficient for society. And so we're all a little bit oppressed and marginalized, almost damn near all of us. And so as the, and this is where the digital, the neo-digital aspect of it comes from, as the internet blossomed and exploded onto mainstream consciousness... All of a sudden, these people who are marginalized populations, who are on the outskirts of society, who are considered outcasts and weirdos and freaks and losers, they had a platform. They had an outlet to communicate their stories. And it resonated. It resonated. The community grew in that way because other people go, yeah, no, I've had similar experiences or this is this has happened to me, too. And so over time. This, this principle of, of wokeness, which is sort of a, a strong leftist, strong politically leftist philosophy. Not that there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with leftism, wrong or right with leftism, but it is a leftist philosophy to be woke, to be radically socially accepting such that all taboos are removed all 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 semblance of societal norms get sort of whitewashed get sort of blurred the lines get blurred between what's acceptable and what's not the only thing i don't know the say lgbtq community but that's not the only part of the woke movement at all not even close but that's what i'm going to talk about for the moment the only part the only group that the LGBTQ community is not accepting of 
as of yet seems to be pedophiles. They seem to be not okay with pedophilia. They seem to say that every other sexual orientation is okay. Every other sexual uh, expression or identity or orientation is okay, except maybe pedophilia, maybe bestiality. I don't even know if there's a second B in that for, for people who are for people who are into bestiality, let's say. Um, but they took populations who were on the margins of society and gave them a voice. And that's a, that's a good thing. In many cases, that's a good thing because there are still people who are marginalized in our society who don't have the means to fend for themselves. And the woke movement gave them that. And so, but what it also did, the effect it has on our society is that the this woke movement is pro everything everything that is traditionally weird or or unconventional the woke movement is is pro unconventional and anti convention but what happens is as this movement grows is they become the new convention and so people who are woke people who consider themselves to be socially woke think they're being non-conformist but it's actually just the new kind of conformity this is the new normal to to be socially progressive let's say but not just socially progressive radically socially progressive is becoming increasingly the new norm and the reason i i make the distinction between uh social progressiveness and radical social progressiveness is because i consider myself to be socially progressive i think that our society needs to make progress at some point I, and so I wouldn't consider myself conservative in that I want to exclusively conserve traditions, but I don't go so far as to be radical about it. And so this is what I want to talk about specifically is the radicalization of society that goes on in people who ascribe to woke culture. One of the areas you might see this is, say, in the fat acceptance movement. See, I told you I wasn't going to just talk about uh, gay people or LGBTQ. It, it it permeates other areas. So in the fat acceptance movement, this is this is supposed to be um, this this is This movement grew with good intentions. Accept your body. Don't let society dictate to you what's attractive and what's not. Don't let society dictate to you that you're not worthy or good enough. Don't let society dictate to you what's beautiful. You decide what's beautiful. Right. Like it's it, it it was born with the best intentions at heart. But what it does fundamentally is it puts us in contradiction with our biology. And this is what I noticed with so much of this neo digital radical social acceptance movement is it's pro it's pro unconvent it's pro unconventionality. 
at the expense of biology because most of our societal traditions are built on our biology. Like the reason reason we consider thinness, let's say, to be attractive is because biologically, if you are overweight, you're not healthy. And so you're not you're not going to produce the the healthiest offspring if you don't take care of yourself. And so genetically, physiologically, people aren't going to be attracted to you. They're not going to want to reproduce with you. But our society tells us that that's wrong because we have we have it it we've had it so burned in our culture in our in our collective cultural zeitgeist that that obesity is is uh what would you say is unseemly and aversive and that people who are obese are themselves aversive i mean you're not necessarily a bad person because you're obese but you're unhealthy. And for your own sake, change might be necessary. And this is what the fat acceptance movement doesn't want to accept, oddly enough. Is that it's not okay to be obese just because you feel good in your skin. See, this is this is the um this is the crux of woke culture is it's all about feelings. It's all about how people feel. People have felt people in the LGBTQ community have felt for so very long marginalized. And that's because they were. But it's it's about the feeling first. And similarly. In terms of the fat acceptance movement. You're taught to feel good about yourself, whether or not you're act, whether or not you actually should be okay with your weight. You're taught to feel good about your weight, even though biologically, as a man who's like I don't know below below six feet tall, which is like eighty five percent of males, you should not be over over a hundred and ninety pounds. 190, 195, that's like pushing it for a male that's below six feet. And yet most men are, are well above that, well into the 200s. Like the average man, like let's let's go ahead and have a look at the average male, um, average American male weight. Average American male weight is 197 pounds, actually. And he is about 5 foot 9 inches tall. That is the average American male. Now, if we look at the body mass index of this person, obviously BMI is not a perfect metric because it doesn't account for muscle mass. Like, I know, like, for a long time, my BMI told me that I was just slightly overweight, but I know it's just because I lift a lot of weight and I'm also short. 
at least according to our culture, I'm short. I'm five foot seven and three quarters, which makes me darn near the average. But according to our culture, anything below six foot one is you're a midget. But whatever, we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> um, nonetheless, the average American male BMI is overweight. The average American female is overweight. About 40% of American adults are obese. This is an epidemic. It's a crisis. And it's a product of the garbage processed food that we take into our systems the sedentary lifestyles that we have adopted in the west because we're not we're not an agrarian culture anymore we don't have to go out and farm to survive so we're not on subsistence level anymore we've reached we're even post industrialization we're such an advanced society that we don't even really need our industries we're we're a service based society that's how evolved our culture is we we outsource our industrialization to other countries like china and brazil and we outsource our agriculture even to even poorer countries. And so, or at least our food production, I shouldn't say necessarily agriculture, but our, our food production that, that comes from a lot of other countries. And so we have a society that is built almost geared towards obesity and that's unhealthy. But in the radical social acceptance movement, we should just, that's okay. That's who you are. Whoever whoever you want to be, that's who you are. If you feel good about yourself, that's good enough. As if you should feel good about shortening your lifespan. As if you should feel good about sexual impotency. As if you should feel good about being unattractive to most people. It's going against biology. Another example of this movement going against biology is the way we condition children of each gender. And so we have raised in this recent two to three decades, it's really been it, it's really been post-1990. It hasn't been that long. We have completely we've completely lopsided the gender normativity that has been at the basis of our culture uh, as a society for millennia. And the reason that the gender normativity that that we have grown so accustomed to and have known as at the crux of our society has been that way for so long is because it's it's rooted in biology. And so we're going to get into that. So we have brought up a generation of boys to be compassionate and accepting and non-competitive and patient and easygoing and caring and fundamentally feminine to adopt more feminine qualities. And in the same breath, in the very same breath, 
We have brought up a generation of females to be strong, independent, ambitious, career-focused, goal-oriented, masculine. And so what is the outcome of this? Is that we have a generation of now adults, 20 and 30-somethings, who are physically attracted to each other because men and women are physically attracted to each other. But, but psychologically and socially incompatible. Their biologies want to, want to procreate and be together, but society has conditioned them out of their traditional roles, out of their perennial functions. And so what, what we have then is a bunch of soft, effeminate, maybe extremely caring and kind and sweet and gentle, uh, lazy, entitled, and again, effeminate males chasing after a bunch of strong, goal-oriented, career-focused ambitious women who don't want them who don't want them because biologically because we have conditioned women to now play the provider role because we we have taught that you know as a woman you should be uh what 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 what, what would she say yeah independent yeah as a woman you need to be independent and so you need to be able to provide for yourself. So we have taught women to be providers and we have taken that responsibility away from men. We've taken the social uh, pressure away from men to be aggressive and goal-oriented and career-oriented and competitive. We've taken that away from men. And so what's happening is that these women do not want to provide for these men. I'm going to say, tattoo this on your forehead. Tattoo this on your face. No woman can sustain an attraction for a man that she has to provide for. I'll say that again. No woman, no living heterosexual woman can sustain sexual, physical, emotional attraction to a man that she has to provide for. She might be able to find attraction for him. She might be able to find that man attractive because he's he's basically a woman. That's why she can find him physically attractive is because we have raised our men to be effeminate. And so they take care of their bodies and they're extremely you know conscious about their weight and their their looks. And they're they're good at they're good at, you know, social graces they're taught their their rougher edges have been sort of smoothed out they've been sanded down and they've made into smooth little pearls and rocks and so they're pretty they're pretty to look at on the outside and they have style and they wear scarves and nice boots and v-necks and whatnot but they aren't worth a damn thing they can't do anything and so you have this this thing that's beautiful but fundamentally useless and 
uh, you as the modern woman, well, you're, you're a model, you're educated, you're career oriented. You may, you have a master's degree and you make $95,000 a year. You should be able to take on the provider role. And this is what, this is what the culture is, is teaching our women. It's fine. You should be able to love who you want, see who you want. And then what happens is that these women grow to resent the men that they're with because they aren't doing anything. Because as a man, action is more important than appearance. Whereas for the feminine, it's the opposite. It's appearance and it's personality that matters. As, as a man, you don't have to be likable. You just need to win. The man just needs to win. If he's winning, he'll get what he wants in life. Women don't have that pressure on them to be a winner. They just have to be beautiful and likable. But when we teach our men to be beautiful and likable and our women to be aggressive and competitive, well, the men are fine to just sit back and smoke weed and play Call of Duty and let the women go out and provide. She's an engineer. I'm dating an engineer. It's fine. I'm good. I'm comfortable here. I'm a streamer. Or I'm a, I'm a, or I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'll, I'll watch the kids. Right. And and in modern society, because we have just we have just ingrained into our females that they should be strong. The woman then convinces herself she needs to be strong enough to accept this floundering shadow of a man. Who is male, but not necessarily a man. And so this is now the the new radical social acceptance movement, which is fundamentally woke culture is about is about anti normativity, about anti tradition. And fundamentally, then it becomes anti biology, anti anti typical human biology is obviously some people are biologically born with hermaphroditism, let's say. But that that's not representative of the human population. Homosexuality is not representative of the human population. But when we when we pedestalize what has previously been the the unacceptable, then we devalue the the mass of population, which is heteronormative, traditional, biologically typical. And so this this new woke movement seeks to flip our society on its head. And in some in some places that needs to happen. In some places that's that was a necessary occurrence. Nonetheless, when this movement veers off the rail and gains too much steam, what was previously nonconformity becomes the new kind of conformity. 
And we are all slowly conforming to a culture which rejects our fundamental biology. I say it a third time. <laughs> no woman can sustain sexual, physical, emotional attraction to a man she has to provide for. She might be able to find him attractive because fundamentally that's what we are teaching our men. Teaching our men to become the attractive ones and our women to become the competitive ones. She might be able to find him attractive and put up with his nonsense for a while. But eventually she's going to grow to resent him because she's playing his biological role. She's live. She's he's living out her life. And she's living his. And so they're both resenting each other fundamentally. But the, the man is fine with it because at the end of the day, women have the easier end of the deal in, in some cases. So what I get to just stay home and 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 take care of myself and and look good for my wife and spend all her money. It's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> but seriously. Uh, traditionally, men have gotten the raw end of the biological stick. Men are more dispensable. That's why we let them die more in wars. That's why we let them work physical labor jobs where they can get injured or just be in danger in general. That's why we let them drown on cruise ships while we let the women and children on first. Because men are biologically and socially dispensable. And so when they get to play the role of being the valuable and indispensable one and get to stay at home and, again, spend their partner's money and eat their food and just, you know, well, I guess I'll just run four miles a day or whatever so I can maintain a certain physique. When men get to play that role, they're comfortable with it. They're, they're not happy. No man is happy in that position. But happiness is a luxury. Happiness is a luxury in our society. Fulfillment is a, is a very rare, rare occurrence. And so these individuals are, are willing to sacrifice some fulfillment if they get to just live life on easy street on the backs of their women. I can't tell you how many. How, and this is not necessarily indicative of anything, but I think it could be. I can't tell you how many people I see in my community, how many men, grown men I see in my community being driven around by their women in the passenger seat. I think I mentioned this before. In another episode, I cannot allow myself to be driven around by a woman. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about that relationship. She's in the driver's seat. She's in charge. She's the captain. Look at me. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. She's the captain. She's got the steering wheel. And you are the passenger. You're just along for the ride. I see this every day, every, every single time I step out of the house, I see it.
20 years ago, 15, 20, 25 years ago, that would never be the case. But now we've reached a point where, again, it's acceptable. We're in modern society. And so what, whatever you do is acceptable. Or at least it's supposed to be. And so women are accepting weak, weak, weak men. They may not be interested in them, but they'll, I'll put up with it because that's what's there. But they're not interested. And then that become that, that breeds resentment. On, on both parties. Because again, the man starts living the woman's life. He gets to stay at home. He gets to be beautiful. He gets to take care of the children. And she gets to have a career. And she gets to have goals. And she gets to conquer. She doesn't want that. She might have been taught to want it. It might have been conditioned into her that she should pursue these things. But fundamentally, she's got a biological ticker telling her, hey, make babies, make babies now, make babies and take care of them, make babies and take care of them. Constantly screaming at her, hey, your ovaries are drying, make babies, make babies, make babies and care for them. That's what her biology is screaming at her, but she can't do it because the man who she chose, if she does make babies with him, he, he's not, he's not, he's, he's useless. So she's got to provide and be the mother to those children. She's got to play both roles. She's got to do everything now. And instead of instead of instead of one child, she'll have two. Cuz she's got two mouths to feed cuz she's got her man and she's got the child of that man. And so she's taking care of two children, not one. She doesn't want that. As much as we encourage our women to be goal-oriented and career-focused, and we also have to add in the caveat that that is not going to fulfill them, that that is not their biological imperative. I mean, maybe you're the one in 18,000 women who will be comfortable with her career, whose career will be so spectacular that she can forego having a family. But you're probably not. The amount of women I know that say they don't want children and their justifications for it. I'm like, yeah, grow up. Grow up. Because you have been conditioned, you've been told that bringing, producing another person, bringing another human being into the world is not good enough. That's the only reason that you, that you say you don't want children. Is because you were told that having a family is not enough. That you should have more going for you in your life than your children. How profoundly anti-human is that? 
you should have more going on in your life than your family. There should be something more important going on in your life than your children. How profoundly anti-human. This is what I'm talking about, anti-biology. Excuse the crazy-ass sirens. We're just going to listen to this. And so because we've taught our women that being a mom isn't good enough. Increasingly, they're opting out of that role. In lieu of having careers. And here's the deal, sweetie. When you're 80 and a millionaire and alone. You're going to regret that. When you're 50 and partner at the law firm that you've been working at for the past 30 years. You're going to regret that. Because you'll have no one to share that with. Because you'll be alone. But at least, hey, at least you'll have money. At least you'll have achievements. As if for the past 17 X thousand years. Women have found their purpose in life being their achievements. Women have found satisfaction in life through their achievements. This isn't to say women shouldn't or can't achieve anything. It's saying that can't be priority number one. Because you've got, you've got something, the way you're built, the way you're constructed... Is, is that is in direct conflict with that. But it's woke. It's a modern society. And anybody can do anything. That's the next nonsense anti-biology thing. Is that. And here's the, here's the paradox of it. Everyone is special. But everyone can do anything. What kind of freaking nonsense is that? In woke society, everyone everyone's a snowflake. Everyone matters. Everyone's important and everyone is special. And yet, in the very same breath, we also say, everyone can do any job. You just have, you just have to believe in yourself. You, you just have to work for it. You can do anything. I can't be LeBron James. I can't be an Olympic swimmer. I can't be an award-winning physicist. Most people can't. Most people can't. That's why there are awards for things. You did something most people can't do. That's why you won the award. But we're continually ingraining in our children, that, that, that everyone is equally capable of doing anything, which completely is in direct contradiction then with this idea of everyone being special. 
Because if everyone can has the same exact level of capabilities, then how can anyone be special? It's self-contradictory. But this is this is wokeness. This is this is this this is a new woke perspective. Don't let your socioeconomic background hold you back. Don't let your ethnicity hold you back. Don't let your physical ability hold you back. You can do anything. Just believe. Nonsense. Woke nonsense. And then our media, particularly our social media and platforms like that, convince people that they can and should have it all. And so this is fundamentally why this is this is fundamentally why women go down the career path in their early in their early 20s is because they're taught that they're just going to have a family at the end of that somehow anyway that you can go ahead and spend you can you can go ahead and be in law school till you're 26 and work your way up to partner when you're 36 and still have some man who's going to be even more successful than you because guess what Women can't sustain attraction for men. They have to provide for. So she's not going to date a mechanic if she made partner at the law firm. So some man, after you've spent your, your, the best years of your life ascending the corporate ladder, some man even higher on the totem pole, who's also six feet tall, who's also attractive and good with children and even more successful than you is going to swoop down and pick you out of out of the myriad ocean of 21 year olds going to pick you because what because you had a career how many men do you know date careers you can't have sex with a career you can't you can't you can't reproduce with a career and so these women are taught to deprioritize things that have made them biologically successful in pursuit of social and societal success and they're taught that they're going to get the biological success at the end anyway and then what these women are realizing is that their biological clock runs out and that she gave away again the best years of her life the best child rearing years of her life to some job so that even if she does manage to have a kid once she becomes partner at the law firm first of all that that's in direct conflict that's a direct conflict of interest. You can't be partner at the law firm and work them 80-hour weeks and still be a good mommy. But even if she does manage to do that, guess what? Those, By the time those kids are in high school, she's going to be a bag of bones because she waited too long. And so she gave up the best child-rearing years of her life to society. To the law firm. To the software company. To the marketing firm. That's where all that's where all her energy went. And then she's left holding the bag at 35 years old, wondering where all the good men went. They got married.
The 21 year olds. And the rest of them are just children. So, ladies, don't sacrifice your biological imperative for society because society tells you that you should make six figures as a woman because that's not going to make you happy. That's not going to fulfill you. Again, you've got a ticker in your in your lower abdomen telling you what you need to do to be happy and fulfilled. It's, it's not going to be it's not going to be working forever. I'm not saying every every woman should just stay at home and never work or never have goals or a career or anything like that. I'm saying stop prioritizing that over your biological imperative because when it's time when the clock strikes 12 and you realize you're at the zero hour you're going to wish that you had a kid like yesterday. Like yesteryear. So we need to be aware of the myriad ways in which society tells you it's okay to be abnormal it's okay to be atypical it's okay to be sick in some ways it's okay to go against your instincts in other ways we need to watch this we need to recognize where it's coming from and recognize that it doesn't have our best interests in mind. Do you, do you think that the, the image of the strong, goal-oriented career woman was built with women's best interests at heart? No. That was constructed to add to the labor force. Because guess what? The more people you have working, the less you have to pay them. It started in the 1940s and all the men went off to war and all the women had to come work. What happened when those men came back from war, whichever one survived. They couldn't find their jobs. They couldn't find jobs paying at the same level that they had before they left for war. At the very least, that happened. Because now the labor force has doubled. So what happens when you have twice as many workers and, and, and the same amount of money? You pay them less. This does not work in the favor of the average individual. It works in the favor of the corporation. The corporation benefits from you being a strong career woman. Because you'll work. You'll work them 80-hour weeks. And you won't have children. 
and you won't take care of yourself. You know who benefits from the fat acceptance movements? The sugar industry, the fast food industry. That's who benefits from you being fat and comfortable with it. Understand that these movements, while they seem to be promoting your best interests, are fundamentally not in your interest. These are self-interested entities and industries and organizations promoting these images in your mind to profit from you. To profit from your cheap work and your consumptive tendencies. To keep you in the rat race. Join the rat race, women. Don't let men get all the glory. Join the rat race. As if men like being in the rat race. Accept yourself. Accept your weight, people. Accept your dad bod. Why? Why should I accept having dad bod? So I can continue consuming Netflix and potato chips and Pringles and Fritos and whatever else crap is going to keep me stuck. Because it's cheap. It's cheaper and easier than getting in shape and walking five miles a day. Actually, walking is free, but getting a personal trainer isn't. So that'll probably do you much better. But nonetheless, understand that these ideas that are part of woke culture, although they seem to be radically socially accepting and so conscious and and loving and and compassionate. It's not about compassion. It's not about love. It's not about freedom. It's about profit. Everything is a business. Everything is an industry. Okay, understand, uh, whenever you see any image being promoted to you in mass media of anything, think about who profits from it. So you can understand why it's happening. Think about who profits from the fat acceptance movement. Think about who profits from keeping women in the workforce in mass. Think about who profits. Not you. The answer is not you. So be cognizant of these things. Be conscious. Don't be woke. Be conscious. Be conscious of what's going on in your society. And how it's trying to manipulate you and turn you into a laborer and a consumer because that's fundamentally what it's doing. I think that'll be all for now. Goodbye.